three realizations that took recovery to the next level. Here is a thread I wrote on Twitter about my too long of a low period. June 6, 2019. We are sailing through a period of triggers. I go back to disregarding all progress my husband has made. My pride wants me to punish him for the affair that ended almost a year ago. It's my fear of being betrayed again that pushes me to consider divorce. He feels unacknowledged. We are both now frustrated. He is defensive and cannot talk to my pain. I keep disregarding his positive attitudes. His pride also blinds him from my pain. He sees an accuser and I see a liar. Until eventually, I ask him to read between the lines and not take it word by word. Recognize the pain and acknowledge that he caused it and that he is sorry. Just sit with me and my pain. He got it. And I understood that when he becomes defensive, I cannot keep fueling it. So he must address my pain instead of becoming defensive. I must be more realistic and precise in expressing my pain. Next time, hopefully, one of us will be able to point, point out to the other that it's the pain talking and how to address it instead of hurting each other for so long. Mark went to see our mentor and was able to express his feelings. This seems simple, but it is a huge step forward. We have been reinforcing each other's progress for two days and it feels good. These are the three realizations that I felt took our recovery to a whole new level. When Mark gets defensive, I get frustrated and remain irrational. Pain and fear when unacknowledged they come out as hurtful and dismissing statements. Once my husband talks to my pain and stops being defensive, I can start feeling the connection again and fear subsides. Mark was taught to avoid expressing his feelings. He confessed to me that he cannot let the pain out in any way as I do. This made me realize that this is what makes it so difficult for him to express positive feelings too. Changing the punishment mind frame to a more nourishing attitude helps both of us. When I focus on the positives, not only do I improve my state of mind, but Mark feels that the work he is doing is helping us heal and recover from his affair. To the doubters, I tell you, I have been there many times. I am a doubter at times myself. I did not want to remain insecure or anxious. I wanted to feel joy, so I'm sharing what I have learned from my infidelity recover roller coaster. Dr. Nadell points out that sharing our experience is part of the growth we gain after a disaster. It helps us heal. Of course, we didn't have to be betrayed in order to grow, but we can accept the growth we gain from something that wasn't our choice. Use brain knowledge to reprogram after infidelity. A take on Dr. Storoni's TED Talk. 
this brain of ours insists on having us on alert mode. Biology explains it as survival of the fittest. In ancient times, those who were more cautious survived the dangers of the wild. Individuals who considered worst case scenarios certainly avoided peril and were able to reproduce and make more cautious human babies. This means we all descend from ancestors who consider all the possible ways in which things could go wrong. The consequence? Most of our 70,000 thoughts per day are negative, unless we do something to become aware and prevent them from hijacking our mind. A TED talk on neuroscience and happiness adapted to infidelity. Dr. Mithu Storoni is a neuroscientist who explains how there is a tug of war between our rational and our irrational brain. The amygdala is the part of the brain that is irrational and considers everything in a negative way. It takes over brain activity under conditions of high stress, like when the betrayed spouse finds out about the infidelity. This explains the negativity and despair experienced by those who are cheated on by their partners. Their brains are not able to form connections in their rational areas. They are not able to think objectively. The good news, we can train our brain to form connections in the rational areas, and this will make us resilient. Dr. Storoni recommends nutrition, rest, and exercise. She explains how our brain needs challenge and novelty. You would agree infidelity gives you both. The irony is that infidelity produces the trauma and can also be used as a tool to recover from the trauma. Our brain needs challenge and novelty. Infidelity gives you both. Another aspect to consider is attention. Dr. Storoni explains that you either focus your attention on something or you let your mind wander. They are mutually exclusive and you cannot concentrate on something when you are emotionally involved with something else. In the case of infidelity, the excruciating pain doesn't allow the betrayed to concentrate on solving the challenges created by the infidelity. We must therefore find a way to disengage the emotional flooding and purposely focus on problem solving. Dr. Storoni recommends meditating as a way to detach from the negativity of the emotional brain. There are other ways in which we can help our rational brain win the tug of war with the amygdala. There's mindfulness through coloring, singing, playing an instrument, gardening, or writing a gratitude journal. The more you engage in positive activities, the more your brain will record happy chapters in your autobiography that is authored by the DMN of the brain, a center that records everything we experience in our subconscious memory. The moment we stop thinking, we reread this autobiography. What to do then? The more happy chapters we allow the DMN of our brain to record, the less negativity will remain when we stop thinking. Keep working on your personal growth and on accumulating positive chapters for your autobiography. Self-love is key. Focus on the positives of your day. Acknowledge the improvements in your relationship if you are working to stay in it. Or cheer yourself up 
for being able to enjoy even the smallest of happy moments on your own or with your children. If you are working on your relationship with a remorseful ex-cheater, give him or her more of what you want so they will mirror it back to you. Appreciate their small steps towards giving you what you need. Make sure you will remember the nice details post-affair. It is a two-way road. Play your part to get what you want. Many times you have to ask because the other person has a different life experience and cannot guess what your needs are. Ask away and write more of those happy chapters. As Dr. Storoni states in her TED Talk, you can grow happy. Be resilient by exercising the right muscles. Deadlines help cope with the uncertainty. When I was over eight months past D-Day, I had some decisions to make. I had come a long way and I felt especially relieved after publishing the book that tells the beginning of my story. Mark found out about the book on the eve of my birthday at the beginning of April 2019. He had been withdrawn and I reacted badly to his withdrawal. It is important to identify your triggers. I know I am affected by him arriving home after a certain time and by not knowing what he is feeling when he seems upset. In listening to Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, I realized that the vocalization of feelings is a female concept. Perel explains how women were repressed under patriarchy for so long that they became experts in relationships. Nowadays, we demand meaningful conversations from men who evolved to overcome their feelings by ignoring them and to perform in a certain heroic way while hunting or at war. It is simply not possible for someone like Mark from a lineage of men in a patriarchy that oversees emotions for duty's sake to articulate words of gratitude, admiration or acknowledgement towards his wife. My inner child craved love gestures from him in a way that only I could see inside my mind. He is just not that person. He honestly told me that he was doing his best and that he couldn't understand what had triggered me after so many days of living our normal life. For me, pretend normal wasn't helping in my recovery. Transfer of Vigilance in her book, The State of Affairs, Esther Perel talks about a transfer of vigilance as identified by Janice Abrams Spring. As an act of repair, the person who had the affair can take on the role of remembering and holding the affair in awareness, in addition to expressing contrition and being receptive to the pain of their partner. Decisions as awareness unfolds. I had to learn to accept Mark as he is or be honest about not wanting to spend the rest of my life with him. I set a deadline, December 2019. In January 2020, I would see how I felt and decide whether to stay in the marriage or to move on without him. My birthday had been a trigger because it took me to the previous year in which I now knew he was living a double life. Infidelity is so hard because it robs you of your past. 
With more celebrations in the forthcoming months, I had become aware of the multiple triggers we had to still face until the end of the year. Eight months past D-Day, I had experienced a decrease in the intensity of my emotions about what happened in the past. We were indeed creating new, happier memories by Mark being fully present, listening and playing along my initiatives of self-love. He was the best co-host during my small birthday gathering. He joined in celebrating with us. The problem I saw was that he didn't plan my celebration. It triggered resentment because he didn't plan anything two years earlier either for my big 5-0. It wasn't even a topic for discussion. He was at the peak of his affair. Affair or not, I realized that these occasions have to be organized by me or they are not going to happen in our family. How can someone who never had a birthday party as a child be able to organize one for the woman for whom he provides? That's how his reptile brain sees me, the wife and the mother of his children. Of course I celebrate you, he replied when I expressed how I felt to him. I grumbled that he just paid the bill and he played along, but there was no initiative. He replied with a gesture of defeat. After our discussions, he confessed he was living in fear. He told me, even now, while I talk to you, I am in fear of making a mistake. I understood fear paralyzes him. So back to square one, I had to see the glass half full. We were, and still are, stuck with each other in the life we built during more than 20 years, in the three children we parent together, in the home we share, and in love. I could feel that there was still love in our hearts even during the darker days. We were, and still are, stuck with each other in the life we built during more than 20 years. I hoped the shattered glass of my perception would make me see a man that I could still love as much as I had loved the memories of what he was. I knew love would evolve as we both grew from this experience. Maybe the shattered glass would be replaced by a new one. One of my tweeps wrote a blog post about realizing we must be comfortable with our own self since we are always alone. There is nothing more truthful than that realization. Being with or without another person will not change who we are. I thought that if I worked on being happy in my own skin, I wouldn't want to have a man by my side who is not celebrating me the way I want. I am now working on understanding his love language based on deeds rather than words or symbols time would tell. The greatest hurdle in recovering from infidelity so far had been my own fear. Triggers nine months past D-Day. Almost nine months past D-Day, my life was still full of triggers. I suppose for all spouses who have been betrayed, and have undertaken the challenge to work on the healing from the affair and rebuilding of trust with their ex-unfaithful partner, the triggers are quite similar. The home. Many betrayed spouses stay in the home we shared with our unfaithful partner. 
There, we built our life together and might include the time while we suspected the infidelity until D-Day confirmed it. In this home, we discussed the discovery or disclosure with our cheating spouse and after D-Day, we had to pretend to be okay for the sake of our children and for the possibility of having a happy marriage with the person we decided to forgive. Who wants to rebuild a life with a wreck, right? The irony is that while we are wrecked because of our spouse's poor choices, we remain in the house where anything can take us down memory lane. The jargon, forgiveness, trust, healing, shame, triggers, emotional flooding, hysterical bonding, OW for other woman, affair partner, AP, and other terms and initials used once you've entered the tribe become part of your everyday jargon. Who had to talk about forgiveness when we were busy changing diapers or feeding the babies or getting together with other friends who were doing the same? When did we get to the day when our friends started to divorce, our children left home and infidelity touched us too? On high alert, shit happens. Betrayal by my spouse happened to me and most probably to you or someone you know since you're reading this book. The commitment to the marriage and to the family you created with your spouse needed constant renewal. You were doing your part and counting on your spouse reciprocating. But they decided to stray and you have to deal with it. Unfortunately, we are faced with the chaos of PTSD after infidelity and our brain's amygdala unstoppably searches for signs of danger, aka relapse. In this scenario, almost anything becomes a trigger. This eventually changes. Once our remorseful spouse is checked by our surveillance methods over and over, and they are constantly cleared over many moons, we start to be able to breathe calmly again. It is normal to be on high alert mode while still dealing with the disbelief that the one we married and committed to betrayed us. After all, we would have never betrayed them. From the book Sail Beyond Infidelity, It Is Possible by Helen Tower, available on Amazon, on paperback or Kindle, also available for Kindle Unlimited. Um, if you are going through infidelity recovery and you wish to get in touch with the author, you can find her on Twitter. Her handle is sailinginfidel1 or just search for Helen Tower. Instagram, Helen Tower Stay Calm. Facebook, there is a page, How to Sail Through Infidelity with Helen Tower. You can leave a voice message on Anchor. Go to Anchor FM, anchor.fm, look for Helen Tower and record a voice message. It is private, she can hear you, she can reply to you, so you can engage via voice message. Thank you so much for listening. Um, next time, the cast will include 
pretend normal sucks? Why do we stay with an ex-unfaithful spouse and write it and release it? What happens with our social life after infidelity? Why do we feel bad after having a good time with friends?